This is If I Go Missing, a podcast where we tell the stories of those who have gone missing so that they aren't forgotten. And maybe, just maybe, we can help bring them the justice they deserve. I am your host, Megan. And I'm your co-host, Lynn. Are you ready to dive into another story? Always. Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of If I Go Missing. Before we get started, we just want to say thank you for being super loyal and tuning in week after week as we tell the stories of those who have gone missing. And I want to reiterate here that our main goal is to get attention to these missing persons cases. And it means so much to us that you all listen each week. It really does. But there's a way we can reach out to more people. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, please leave us five stars and a review. It's free, easy, and quick. Doing this will help Apple Podcasts start showing our show as a recommendation to more people. This means that more people can hear and share and talk about the show and its cases. It's really a great way to help new people hear these cases and to get these people's stories out to be heard by more people and understand the importance of finding these people. Yes, we would really appreciate it if you listeners can help us out with this one. We can write and talk all day long, but in the end, it comes down to you guys. You guys are the unsung heroes here. Without you guys sharing it, we can only do so much on our end. So thank you for all that you do for us as well. All right, folks. Now all business aside, let's see if we can't help yet another missing person. Yes, this is the story of Bryce Laspisa. Bryce was 19 years old when he went missing at Castaic Lake in California on August 30th of 2013. A series of unexpected events occurred in the lead up to his disappearance, including a sudden relationship breakup, some cryptic text messages to his parents, and erratic behavior witnessed by his friends. Then his vehicle was found wrecked and overturned. There was blood found, but there was no sign of Bryce at the scene, and it was just like he vanished into thin air. Bryce Laspisa was born to Karen and Michael Laspisa in Illinois. Bryce attended Kingsley Elementary, Lincoln Junior High, before graduating from Naperville High School in 2012. Bryce's entire family ended up moving and living in California at the time of his disappearance. They had all moved out there once his parents retired. Karen and Michael were living in Laguna Niguel, and Bryce was residing in Chico, about 450 miles away. Bryce had moved to Chico to attend Sierra College, where he was about to start his sophomore year of study. Bryce lived with his roommate, Sean Dixon, and his girlfriend, Kim Sly, lived nearby. Bryce had went home for summer break not long before he went missing, and during this time period, He had expressed excitement and eagerness to return to Sierra College and resume his classes in the fall. He was studying graphic and industrial design, and according to his mother and different interviews I've heard about him, he was a very gifted artist. Yeah, his um, his artistry is is, um, detailed. It's the lines. I mean, everything about it is, is really, there's a lot of talent in there. Yes, it's very, it's very complex. Yeah, yeah. But there's simple aspects of it mm-hmm. that kind of give your eyes different things to focus on. Yeah. It's, it's very it's very interesting. It's mm-hmm. abstract, but it's 
not like the abstract that kind of yeah the irritating abstract yeah it's the it's the beautiful interesting abstract definitely yeah he truly had a really talented hand when it came to art so everybody just felt that this graphic and industrial design was fit for him it like suited him to a t and by all accounts bryce loved his classes and his choice of study and he was a very social person Bryce enjoyed playing video games, and he had a large circle of friends. And it seemed as if things could really not be going better in his life until just a few days before his disappearance. All right. So we've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Oftentimes when people go missing, you can find clues in the days before they go missing in the short window of time afterwards. So do we know anything of Bryce's movements or actions during the crucial window of time, anything that changed, any body different, anything? So his parents said during the summer he had spent with them before returning back to school where he was there for two weeks before leaving and going missing, that that summer together had actually been really normal. And like they said, Bryce was eager and excited to go back to school. He was like every other college kid. There was no indication that he may be struggling with anything. You know, up until probably about the day before he went missing, they had no idea anything was going on. That's just very interesting. Uh, you seem like there was something would change. Friends, on the other hand, did notice a different story. Well, I guess mom and dad were home. He was at college, so they would. The friends would notice things sooner than the parents would. Yeah, and honestly, in this case, it's going to be up to. The friends to kind of fill the parents in as they go. Makes sense. I mean, he's a college kid. Parents aren't there seeing him every day. Mm-hmm. So how would how would they know intricate details? Our story is going to start on Monday, August twenty sixth of twenty thirteen. Bryce attended his classes at Sierra College as normal on this day, and his mother said that the two spoke on this day after classes, and they had a good normal conversation. It has also been reported that the family has seen photos of him that were taken on this day, and he appeared really happy in the photo. But on Tuesday, August 27th, 2013, things began to get weird. It's been reported that Bryce's girlfriend, Kim, said that she thought he was acting strange, and he admitted to her that he took a pill. That pill is thought to have been ADHD medication by the name of Vivian. This medication was not prescribed to Bryce. Sean Dixon, Bryce's roommate, has also said that Bryce had been drinking hard liquor and taking Vivance together during this time period. Bryce was taking Vivance to keep him from falling asleep one night while he played video games with a friend and they stayed up all night. After this is when Sean says that things kind of go downhill. According to Sean, actually, Bryce had been drinking heavily for a while since he had been back in that little two-week span, and he would often consume a bottle of hard booze each weekend, if not maybe two. Wow. For one person, that's a lot. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like it's a beer or two. Yeah. It's like a bottle of Captain, a bottle of Jack. Yeah, I mean, and I noticed, um, you know, like you're saying, that it's hard liquor. It's not Mm -hmm. a glass of wine. It's not it's not even a bottle of wine. A six-pack. I mean, it's it it's serious. But, um, yeah. No, I mean, like, a glass of wine, a six-pack, that's totally different than yeah. 
a bottle of Jack with a bottle of Captain on the side. She's on her knees. Or, you know, Jack and Jim, they're my favorite people, but I don't mix them. <laughs> well, then you add the Vidance to it, which is, I don't know. I mean, you know, having had a child all, all her life, these, these drugs don't seem so horrid to me as they do with some college parents. Yeah. Um, but if, if your body doesn't require it, then I guess they are really major medications. Mm-hmm. Mixing it with these alcohols, taking it not prescribed to you, it can have some major effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a drug. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as if this whole drug and alcohol thing wasn't concerning enough, Bryce also starts giving away some of his belongings to his friends. These belongings include his Xbox and a pair of diamond earrings that he loved. These diamond earrings were actually given to him by his mother. According to her on the ID channel series Disappeared, they were actually earrings that she had had and worn and handed down to Bryce. Mm -hmm. And they were real diamonds. Yeah. And he's just like, here, you want them? You're my friend. Hi. Yeah, but that sounds like somebody not exactly in control of his actions. You know what I'm saying? I mean, who would do that? Who would give away their Xbox? Especially a gamer. You know? I mean, these are really important things to him, and he's just giving them away. Right. So... Because you could say, um, is he paying for the medication? Because he's got to buy it off another student. He's got to. Is he? Is that what he's doing with them? I don't know. I mean, nobody seems to really believe that. That it's more of a, here, have these diamond earrings. Enjoy them. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... It, it does make you wonder, you know, is this payment? Even private investigators on different documentaries I have watched will say, like, this will lead us to think that he was trying to leave his life behind or right. would plan to commit suicide. That's normally the type of action mm-hmm. we see in these two paths. Right. Right. Nobody was really thinking that it might be that. Mm-mm. And it could be because that's been ruled out. It could be. Again, we're not privy to all information. Right, right. We aren't all knowing. Definitely. Now we're up to Wednesday, August 28th of 2013, and things get weirder. Bryce texted his girlfriend, Kim, saying that she would be better off without him. And it is said by Bryce's mom that Kim texts Bryce back asking him, are you breaking up with me? To which Bryce then replied, yes. At 10 p.m. on this night, Bryce went to Kim's house, and she said that to her, he appeared to be agitated and unwell he told her again that he wanted to end the relationship she then took his car keys from him so he could not drive away in the state that he was in because kim claims that bryce was not acting like himself now normally i would kind of be like "Mm, crazy girlfriend taking the keys she just needs to like shut up and give them back but in this case i don't think it's too far-fetched for kim to probably have been thinking that maybe Bryce was on some sort of ADHD medication or even maybe under the influence of alcohol at this time. And some sources even say that he was. I'm not sure. And I'm not going to speculate because I don't know. All I'm going to do is present you with what's been said and what might be there. Kim's decision to take the keys made Bryce really mad and he called his mom, Karen, to ask her to intervene. During this phone call, Kim tells Karen how Bryce is acting and why she's chosen to take the keys. Karen then asks to speak with Bryce during the conversation with Kim, and Kim hands the phone over. 
And while talking to Bryce, Karen offers to fly out the next day to help him, but he tells her not to. He says, you know, Mom, don't make an airline reservation because I have a lot to talk to you about. Karen then asks to speak with Kim. And when the phone gets back to Kim, Karen says, you know, my son seems okay. He seems normal to me. Please return his keys. So, you know, Kim's like, all right, you, you know your son better than me. Here's your keys. And it's at this point that Bryce leaves Kim's apartment. And it's about 11.30 p.m. Wednesday, August 28th. And everyone's believing he was going to go back to his apartment and get some sleep. But Bryce had other plans. Bryce's mother received a phone call from him at 1 a.m. on this date, but she missed the call. She assumed it was to let her know that he arrived safely at his apartment. However, phone records that have been pulled since his disappearance show that he was one hour away from his apartment in what is said to be an isolated area. This course he was traveling on would lead him past his apartment, past his school, and headed towards the Chachapi Mountains to a destination unknown. The next morning, around 11 a.m., State Farm sends a voicemail and says that the car Bryce is driving needs roadside assistance. Karen then calls Bryce's roommate and is like, you know, hey, is Bryce still sleeping? And it's at this point that she finds out that Bryce never came home that night. Bryce's parents then began searching for clues and then the Laspisas saw a charge on their credit card from a place in California called Button Willow. This is a place known basically for just having a truck stop. It's kind of a little desert town. And this place was close to where the Laspisas family home was, maybe a couple hours away. That led Karen and Mike to believe that Bryce must be on his way home coming to see them. So, Mike traces the credit card charge to a repair shop off the freeway. After that, Bryce's dad then takes the information he's found and calls the shop and asks if anyone has seen Bryce. A man at the repair shop named Christian says he serviced that car that Bryce drove at 9 a.m. the same morning. He then goes on to tell Karen that Bryce has called for roadside assistance when he ran out of gas at Button Willow Rest Stop. Christian says he brought three gallons of gas to Bryce, but that is all he can tell her about Bryce's whereabouts. However, Christian says, if you can give me 15 minutes, I'll go back to where I last saw Bryce and see if he's still there. Of course, you know, Karen was ecstatic to hear this and says, yes, please go check. Christian then drives back to the rest stop and to his surprise, he finds Bryce in the exact same spot. Just three hours earlier, Christian had left Bryce in the same spot. So he pulls up, talks to Bryce and tells her, you know, your mom Karen's on the phone and hands the phone over and she asks him, you know, son, like, what are you doing? And Bryce answers, oh, nothing. And Karen's like, no, Bryce, you're three hours away. You need gas. Go get it and come home. Bryce then takes his mother's advice and goes to fill up his tank, which honestly, this is confusing to me because he was supposed to have been brought three gallons of gas by Christian from the repair shop. Yeah, earlier. That's true. I guess maybe. I guess she's telling him to come fill your car the rest of the way up so we know you can come straight from where you're at to here. You yeah. won't have to stop anymore. Yeah. Is what she kind of meant. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. It, I don't know. So much of this doesn't make any sense because I am a desperately, overly protective mom. And I understand that. I really do. I admit that. 
She's come to terms with her fate. <laughs> I, I don't try to cover it up anymore, and you just need a second I broke up. That's me. Anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to sit back and try to let you be a big girl. Here's, here's how it's going to be, and I'm going to be right there on top of you. But um, my first instinct was, okay, this dude Christian came to you 8 o'clock in the morning, and, and then three hours later, you're still sitting in the same spot? Yeah. Mom radar goes off, and I say, um, all right, honey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stay in that car right where you're at. And I'm going to come to you because now I know where you're at. You understand me? Don't you leave that car. I'm on my way. But my have tail in the car and I drive to you. I, that's just me because I'm so overprotective. So that's why cases like this, they disturb me because I'm like, why didn't you do that? And she's doing that now too. Mm-hmm. She's going, why didn't I do that? That would have been a great idea. But, you know, at the time you don't think anything is going on. They yeah. didn't have... Anybody really telling them anything was going yeah. on with their son until it was too late. Right. But like I said, I'm so overprotective. That would have been my first instinct. That would have been my first instinct, though, just because I'm so overprotective. You keep your little happy tail right where it's at, and I'm coming to you. And then I'm going to get me some details when I get there. <laughs> that long talk we need to have, we don't have that talk. We're going to have it for the next three hours on the ride home. Yeah, you're going to have it. <laughs> but, I mean, as I've said, I'm overly protective. You would have had to call me as soon as you got back to your apartment. Sorry, that's just me. She's that's not what joking. I'm gonna do. That's me. I can't help it. Nowadays, she tracks me. Sure enough, I love that little feature on my phone system. But like I said, if you are not an overly protective parent like me, none of this is gonna occur to you. It's not gonna be your first instinct to go, "Oh, uh-uh. you should have tail in that car." So if you make me give the keys to Christian, whoever he is, <laughs> just. Look, That's Christian, me. you call the local popo, tell him I'm on my way. <laughs> but yeah. no, it made me, I don't know if it made me feel better or worse that you felt the same way. Because when I first saw this, I was like, go get him. Yeah. Go get him. But then when you think about it, like, this time span that you yeah. are waiting and you get that next call that he's still there, mm-hmm. you are thinking he's on the road, so you're right. not going to be driving out there. Right. But yeah, when you said, go get him, I'm like, Oh, I'm so, whoa, God. Yeah. I mean, I've embarrassed the crap out of you, and I know that. I'm like, I'm just like my mom. <laughs> yeah. My mom, an adult, don't do that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. My 35-year-old child ain't going to be lost up in the woods. I'm going to be there. <laughs> she will. <laughs> so, yeah. But I do. I feel so bad because you look back in hindsight, it's 2020. God, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd thought about this. Yeah, well. I wish I'd not embarrassed the crap out of my child for no reason. And I thought that a time or two. And then other times I thought, oh, you're behind deserved it. Like the time <laughs> you threatened to call the police because my movie ran over and I didn't answer. I was in a movie. You better leave that thing on silent. Mm. Okay. We were 16. Yeah, no defense. Keep going. Tell me some more. So Bryce then, after talking to his mom, apparently gets vibes like I would from mine that he needs to listen and goes and fills up his tank. Bryce's parents are now expecting him home around 3 p.m., but 3 p.m. comes and goes, and around 3.30 p.m., Karen reaches out to Bryce to see if maybe he's stuck in traffic because it was a holiday weekend after all, but her call goes straight to voicemail. Over the next several hours, she tries multiple times and leaves several messages for Bryce. He has been out of touch with everyone now for about six hours. By 6 p.m., Mike is outside just pacing, waiting to see if Bryce pulls up in the driveway, but he never comes. 
Karen and Mike decide to file a missing persons report and they also call AT&T to track his phone. His parents are shocked when they discover that it had only moved eight miles in a nine-hour time period. At 9 p.m., Bryce's parents asked California Highway Patrol officers for help. The officers found Bryce and searched his vehicle, which was now located on Lagoon Drive in Button Willow. The car was searched for drugs and alcohol, and nothing was found. The police officers then spent 20 minutes with Bryce. They perform a sobriety test, and he passes it. Deputies come to the conclusion that Bryce is just kind of blowing off steam and basically just needs to take a breather, like he needs his space. But one thing police find that's very odd is that when they asked Bryce to call his parents to let them know he was just fine, he was very reluctant to do so. He did eventually give in and call them, though. He was so reluctant, in fact, even though he had given in to call them, that the officers dialed the number for him and handed him the phone and was like, here, it's ringing. Talk to your mom. And his mom's like, Bryce, what you doing? And he's like, Nothing, just, you know, putting stuff back in my car. I just got searched. And his mom says she was like, no, son, what are you doing? Like, really? There's a different angle of that question. (laughs) Yeah, like, not, what are you doing and what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? And he was just kind of like, just putting stuff in my car, mom. He just really didn't seem to want to get past the surface level at all. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because way back another conversation he told them that he had a lot to tell them yeah honey what are you doing you're just sitting there what do you what talk to me then do something mm-hmm. i know i know what she's thinking she's can i get a little info out of you son yeah like what what is, yeah. what is it going on in your mind yeah i mean i've been afraid for him to drive home at this point i'm thinking too the more i learn that bryce probably did not know that his parents contacted Highway Patrol. Yeah. They probably didn't tell him that. So when his mom, when they're like, call your mom, he's like, mm-mm. Yeah. Are nope, you nope, not doing that. Nope. No, call sir. my mom and tell her, yeah, the police just told me to call you, mom. <laughs> not a popo no. said to call you. No. Yeah. No. He'd be like, all right, I will call her on one instance. You don't tell her you were ever here. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So I can understand to a degree why he's like, just just clean my car. <laughs> just clean my car, mom. Realized it was already pulled over when it cleaned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can yeah. I can understand why he's just like, no, I'm not fine. How are you? Everything's fine. I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. <laughs> That's how I would be if my mom would just, I just had to call my mom from the, you know, from the guidance of some officer. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, we're all fine here, mom. How are you? <laughs> So, you know, I get it. But after talking to his mom, Karen says, you know, can you just hand the phone to the officers? Which was probably a really rude awakening in and of itself that mom knows the cops are here. But, you know, he hands the phone over and she asks the officer, is he okay? And the officer says that Bryce seems fine and, you know, it seems like he can drive the rest of the way home. Bryce's parents Felt somewhat reassured now, though. I mean, the authorities think their son's okay to drive, and they allow him to continue driving, so it must be okay. So, Bryce is to continue on his way home, supposedly to his parents' house. Around 10 p.m. the same night, Karen calls Bryce again, and he answers his phone. 
she asked him, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, I'm going to hang out with friends later. 11 p.m., Brian stops at a gas station in Button Willow where he buys a drink for $1.71. After that, Karen has said that he tells me he's on the I-5 south, but he's telling me nothing. Like, he won't tell her any kind of spot or anything. Another report from this time shows that he actually bought gas for $39 at Valero Station on Lagoon Drive in Button Willow, where he was earlier today when the cops came to him. So while he's telling her that he's on the I-5 and driving, he's still in the same spot in the same town. Well, let's wrap your head around that for a minute, because it's a little crazy. It's a lot of crazy to try to piece it together because clearly the police officer was there. He's on his way home. The mom and dad figure he's an hour, two hours away, whatever mm -hmm. he is. And then you start tracking what you can track and the dude's still sitting there. Yeah. It's like, honey, what are you, what are you doing? What, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Not long after, probably about 11 p.m., not long after Bryce stops at the gas station, Christian from the repair shop is returning calls from his phone and he returns one to Karen that he had missed earlier. Christian says, you know, how is he? Just kind of calling to check up and finds out that Bryce is still in Button Willow. Christian then offers to Karen to go check on Bryce. He finds Bryce still in the same area he had been all day. He had now been in Button Willow alone for over 13 hours just sitting. Christian then follows Bryce onto the interstate to make sure he was on the road and that he was headed in the right direction. At this time, it's been said that, according to his GPS, he was due to arrive in Laguna Niguel at 3.25 a.m. Over the next couple of hours, Bryce and his parents exchange a few phone calls, and his parents keep asking him while he's driving, you know, can you tell me a landmark so we can get a sense of where you are and when you should be home based on where you are on the interstate. I've done that a thousand times. Yep. Tell me what tree you're passing now. Exactly. Yeah. However, when Bryce is asked to give landmarks, he's very vague and just says, Oh, you know, I can't really see anything. It's super dark outside. But my GPS says I'll be there around 325 a.m. At this point, we are now up to Friday, August 30th. And it is 1.50 a.m. Bryce contacts his mom, Karen, and tells her that he had detoured off the I-5, but was back on the I-5. Karen's last ever contact with Bryce was then at 2.08 a.m. He told her, I got off the I-5 and I'm in a suburban area. I'm going to go sleep in my car. I'm too tired to finish the drive. Karen thinks, you know, Bryce has been awake for almost 48 hours by this time, and I'm not really going to argue. She agrees to let him get some sleep in the car and continue his drive in the morning. Early the next morning, around 8 a.m., Bryce's parents hear their doorbell ring. They rush to the door thinking Bryce is finally home. But once they get to the door, it's not Bryce they see. It's a highway patrol officer. And he does not come bearing good news. This officer goes on to ask Mike and Karen if they own a 2003 Toyota Highlander. To which Mike replies, yeah, that's my son's car. As it turns out, Bryce didn't pull over to get some rest. He continued driving a further 90 minutes south to Castaic Lake. Between the time he left Button Willow and 5 a.m., according to CCTV footage, 
Bryce made three separate trips to the location where his car would eventually be found wrecked. A camera, which was located on Lake Hughes Road near Lake Castaic, caught Bryce's 2003 Toyota Highlander going up the road at 2.15 a.m., only to come back down minutes after he last spoke with his mom. The same camera then again captures him driving up the road at 4.29 a.m. The exact time of the car wreck is not known, but it is estimated to have occurred between 4.30 and 5.15 a.m. This is the news police officers come bearing to the Lapiza's front door at 8 a.m. that morning. Well, that would be hard to receive. Yes. Police officers say they arrived at Lake Castaic to conduct a training exercise, and that's when they come across Bryce's wrecked vehicle. Bryce's car had been found overturned and wrecked on an access road leading to Castaic Lake Recreation Area, approximately two hours north of his parents' house. The car had gone down a huge embankment and had flipped onto its side. There was a small amount of blood on the passenger seat headrest and the back seat. The back window of the car had been removed, which indicated that someone had left the car through that point. Bryce's belongings were then found in the car, including his laptop and cell phone. His wallet and a duffel bag were found supposedly on the road, like right outside of the car. The duffel bag that was found was also said to be unzipped, leading investigators to believe that Bryce had removed something from the bag before he left the vehicle. Tire tracks from the vehicle were then found at the top of the embankment where they led down the bank towards Castaic Lake. The track pattern indicated that there was a speed involved in the incident and that there had been no effort made to use the brakes. This led detectives to a grim idea. They believed that Bryce was purposefully trying to drive the vehicle into the lake, perhaps even to take his own life. Search parties were immediately set up in the area. Divers searched Castaic Lake for days and never found any trace of Bryce or his remains. A volunteer search group searched the campgrounds and other areas where Bryce may have been seeking shelter. While the search was ongoing, Los Angeles County firefighters responded to a brush fire in the area surrounding Castaic Lake. A burning body was found to be the cause of the blaze, but the body was too badly damaged to determine if it was even a man or a woman. While Bryce's family held their breath and waited for news, the coroner's report came out and determined that the body did not belong to Bryce. Bryce was still out there somewhere. The Lapiza family then hired a private investigator named Shannon Talos. Shannon believes that Bryce did not sustain any massive trauma that would have taken his life during the wreck. And he likely did not sustain a debilitating injury at the scene. Given his physical conditioning, he absolutely had the ability to leave the scene. Multiple bloodhounds also tracked Bryce's scent to a truck stop on Castaic Road, where the scent just stopped. That's interesting. These dogs are, um, they are amazing. I mean, like he had to have gotten in the vehicle with someone and stopped his tracking mm-hmm. or just literally been picked up and transported, you know, so the dogs can track. Mm-hmm. They are seriously trained. Yeah, like if, it, if there was a strong scent on foot, they would have found it. Yeah, definitely. So he must have gotten in the vehicle with somebody from the truck stop. Had to have. That's the only thing that I can think of. Shannon Tolos says, you know, logic is usually our best friend. 
All the logical facts surrounding this case seem to indicate that he likely walked away from the scene. The official search led by the L.A. County Sheriff's Office was called off three weeks after Bryce disappeared. It seems a little soon, but I also understand that he apparently vanished. So, what happened to Bryce? As of August 2019, Bryce is still missing. His unstable behavior leading up to his disappearance, including breaking up with his girlfriend and giving away prized possessions, led people, especially investigators, to think that maybe he had some sort of psychotic break. One theory that maybe he's living off the grid for whatever reason, or maybe he cannot or just will not get in touch with the family. Bryce's mother stated that she does not believe that he's voluntarily missing. Quote, as his mom, he's my only child, and I know he wouldn't do this on purpose. His dad is on the same page, too. The first week, we thought maybe he did something wrong and was ashamed. But after a week, we thought there's no way that he would just put everybody through this. Not just mom and dad, but also his friends and family. He loved life too much, and he was looking forward to so many things. It just doesn't make sense. End quote. Multiple search and rescue dogs tracked Bryce's into the truck stop where it abruptly stopped, again indicating that maybe Bryce had gotten into the vehicle and was driven away. In 2013, the Lespisa family asked for information about a purple semi-truck that was known to frequent truck stops in Castaic as it was thought that Bryce may have gotten a ride with the driver. Nothing fruitful came from this lead, though. To this day, family and volunteers continue to post his information at truck stops around the country. Is it possible he sustained a head injury or concussion or something during this um, car wreck? Maybe he doesn't know who he is. Maybe he has amnesia. Maybe he was just, just not unconscious enough to still function, but not to know things that he should know, that Bryce would know. Okay, so Bryce's mother reported in September 2013 that there had been an alleged sighting of Bryce at a Habit Burger in Valencia, California, where he asked for water and seemed confused. She said, quote, Bryce may be wandering around with a head trauma and has no identification on him, end quote. The last pieces have left messages for Bryce on pages such as Missing and Homeless on Facebook, saying, Bryce, we love you and miss you very much. We continue to hope that one day we will be together again. But, you guys, it is now April 22nd of 2020 as we are recording this. And I literally looked on my Facebook tonight and saw Bryce's face staring back at me because there has been new information in his case. This was posted by the Sonora Police Department on Facebook. And it says... It was posted yesterday, so April 21st, at 5.26 p.m. And the post says, Earlier today, a relative of Bryceless Pizza reached out to our agency after receiving information that someone matching his description was seen in our area, possibly within the homeless community. Bryce has been missing since 2013, and we are asking the public to keep an eye out for him and call law enforcement if he is seen. They have a bolo... Or if you don't know what that means, it's a be on the lookout for a missing subject placed on Bryce. They are relaying information that a homeless subject was seen in Sonora matching the missing person's description. Description as follows. Name, Bryce David Lapiza, Age, 26 years old. Height, 5'11", 
5'11", weight 170, eye color blue, hair color bright red, miscellaneous information, an identifying tattoo of a Taurus bullhead with Roman numeral birthday on the left of his shoulder. Bryce's family has set up a Facebook group titled Find Bryce Las Pizza, and to this day, they still investigate tips and leads along with what we just talked about. They say that Bryce was unfamiliar with the area he disappeared in, and he had never been known to hitchhike before. His family has said that he did really enjoy outdoor activities, though. Bryce's dental records, DNA, and fingerprints have been entered into NamUs and other databases, and no match with an unidentified male has ever been made. So for now, if you see Bryce, give investigators a call at 323-890-5500. You guys, normally we don't record anything after we finish our episode, but... I reached out to the Find Bryce Less Pizza Facebook group. I told them we were doing an episode and that I would mention the new sighting. Then I got a message back. They told me that the sighting had been found out to just be that of a well-known homeless man living in the area who happened to have red hair. But Bryce could still be out there. This doesn't mean give up. This means look harder. Never give up looking and searching for Bryce because he could still be out there. We don't know what happened. Hopefully one day we can bring the last pieces a peace of mind. Or better yet, hopefully we can bring them their son home. Thank you for listening to another episode of If I Go Missing. I'm your host, Megan, and I put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes. I write, edit, and produce them all myself. And it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at If I Go Missing Podcast. Then we also have our Twitter, and that one is at Megan Noel Pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel Podcast, and we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast.